0: Well, it's great to see you all in church. You're excited to be here. Come on! I want to welcome our Lancaster campus tuning in. If you're watching this online, and hey, we're excited to have you here today. And especially, we want to recognize, obviously, some very, very special people in our midst today. And that's all the dads. Hey, do me a favor before we're going. We're going to celebrate them in a minute okay but if you are a dad here or in Lancaster do me a favor stand up to your feet i want you to stand up for just a moment let's give it up for all the dads in the house come on Lancaster everybody every dad i want every dad standing up hold stay standing for a moment please just stay standing um i want to just say something it's not easy to be a dad okay i know i'm not saying it's not easy to be a mom don't get me wrong okay but but today is about dads and it's about recognizing them i want to say something Like, you need to understand that I believe that so much of what we experience in our society and our culture often is a reflection of the dad. It's the dad. When the dad is present at home, when the dad is leading at home, the family's better, studies have shown the kids end up doing better. And so I wanna just first say to every dad who's here instead of on a golf course right now, I'm proud of you. Great job getting to church, leading your family spiritually. Like, I want to recognize that, and I want to do something a little different today because there's a lot of pressure on being a dad. And I want to take just a second in our church, if I could, to pray for all the dads that represent our church. Because we need more men who will represent Jesus in the home, at work, leading at church. We need those kind of men in our lives. Amen? Amen amen so do me a favor if you got a dad around you or with you today if maybe real close to you would you just extend your hand toward them maybe maybe if it's your you know husband hold hold his hand or something pray for him and join with me in just praying for the fathers god i thank you for every single dad that's represented here lord there is a mantle that you have put upon us as fathers lord not just with our children but in the home and i believe taking lead for you in this culture And so God I pray a measure of grace right now for every father that's represented here I thank you God for their faithfulness to you. I thank you God that they come to church I thank you God they're leading their families spiritually I pray you would put inside of them an even greater measure of a leader as well as a follower of Jesus And so Lord give them wisdom give them leadership give them the grace to lead the way you want them to lead in the family and in the home. And Lord, we are thankful for every single dad that stands here today. And God, we're most thankful for our Heavenly Father above. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead, dad. you can be seated. Let's give it up for him one more time. I wanna recognize dads, and we've got donuts for dads today at our campuses. So I wanna welcome you here, especially if you're new. You're catching us in the middle of a series called Vertigo. How many of you ever 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 had vertigo raise your hands if you've had vertigo okay some of you know what it's like to like always be dizzy that's what vertigo is it's this feeling a sensation where every time you like kind of it's like hard to even get your balance because it seems like everything is spinning around you when it's not really but but something is kind of off inside the equilibrium's off and so sometimes you'll have vertigo and the reason why we're here talking about vertigo is i believe that sometimes you can have spiritual vertigo in other words sometimes because things are off in your life or it might feel like the world is spinning around you and sometimes you can kind of get out of balance when it comes to your faith what you see and so that's what we're talking about in this series and i truly believe That one of the reasons why we get to a place of spiritual vertigo is because we are all facing intense pressure in life. How many of you would say you feel like oftentimes in life you're dealing with pressure? Raise your hand if you're dealing with pressure. Okay, right? Listen, hey, if you're not, I would love to talk with you about what you get to do for life. Because (laughs) I'm jealous. Let's face it, one way or another, we all have some pressures. We all got some stress. If you're maybe dealing with some kind of medical stress, you're dealing with a marriage stress, you're dealing with a financial stress, we've got things that a lot of times are just mounting pressures that we're constantly facing. And I want to share a message with you. It's kind of a personal message because it's one that God used. I heard a preacher uh, uh, preach the, uh, from this particular passage about a year ago, and God really used it in my life in a time where I was recognizing the effects of pressure in my life. And as found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible with you today, you bring your Bible. Um, I've got mine with me. Or an electronic device. Would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? I want to read to you from a guy who faced some serious pressure. His name was Paul. Paul dealt with some incredible pressure. As you're going to hear, this guy, he's the Apostle Paul. He wrote a good portion of the New Testament. In fact, um, as you read through 2 Corinthians, what you discover is that Paul had so many experiences that you could say he would have a PhD in applied physics. Let me say applied physics, if you know what I'm talking about, by pressure, okay? He, He faced so much pressure, and he talks about it. And I wonder if this might speak to us today, if you're in a place where you feel stressed and dealing with a lot of pressure. Verse 7 of chapter 4, Paul said these words. He says, but we have these treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, I want you to note what he says in verse 8. We are hard-pressed. Everybody say pressed. Pressed. We are hard-pressed, that's pressure, on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, confused, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. He goes on to say, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. I'm going to get to the death of Jesus part later. He says, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Though we're alive, we're constantly, he said, if you're a follower, being given over to, Jesus, to death for Jesus' sake, so that, in, so that his life might also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. If you'll read, I'll give you a little bit of spiritual homework, a little church homework for this week. Try to read through all of Second Corinthians, the whole entire letter. If you've never read it, read through it. But I want you to read through it with this one uh, perspective, this lens. Look at it with a magnifying glass. Look for moments when Paul talks about the pressure that he's facing. What you'll discover is almost what the entire book is about. It seems to be that Paul talks about this incredible pressure that he is under Constantly. He's facing pressure of his calling. He's facing the pressure to preach in an environment where it was not popular to preach about Jesus. He's facing the pressure of the churches that he's planted to lead. Paul is under this intense pressure that he talks about. In fact, I want to read to you from the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Because it's a common theme of pressure that he wants you to know about and sometimes there are preachers That won't tell you about the pressure you're gonna face when you give your life to Christ They're gonna tell you about the blessings But not gonna tell you about the pressure Paul's not that preacher. That's why Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed I'm not gonna sell you something. That's not real he says, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. What did he say? Help me out. We are under great. Pressure. Come on, say it again, Lancaster. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. It got so bad. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. The Paul said, I was ready to tap out. The pressure. That's what he said, the pressure is so bad, so bad. Now, I don't know if you have heard this phrase before. I want to share this phrase. And I bet many of you have said this phrase, thinking you're quoting a verse in the Bible. There, there's a phrase that we say oftentimes in the Christian community to encourage people when they're facing mounting pressures, if some of you are facing pressures, pressure at work, pressure at home, pressure in life, pressure to perform, pressure to whatever. And, and there's this phrase that we often say, maybe you've heard it before, and it goes something like this, God won't put on you more than you can handle. You've heard that? Yeah, but you've said that. A lot of you said that. That's encouraging, man. Just trying to help. God won't put on you more than you can bear. God won't allow you to carry more than you can handle. God, I mean, come on, when you have God, you you won't carry more than this. Paul would say that sounds great, but it's not theologically sound. Like you're saying, well, what verse is that? It's not in the Bible. Paul would say, please show me that verse because that's not my experience. Paul says, pressure was so bad, the trouble was so awful in the province of Asia that he said, far beyond our ability to endure it, I'm ready to give up. And so we need to recognize something. That's kind of a lie. That's kind of a a mistruth that, that God won't put on you more than you can bear. Paul says, no, 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 we had so much on us, so much pressure, I wanted to give up. And now when I read through 2 Corinthians 11, that also is a chapter that Paul talks about, how he had been shipwrecked multiple times, how he'd been beaten multiple times, how he'd been in prison multiple times, how he knew what it was to go hungry. How Paul, Paul talks about all these experiences, and when I read that, I gotta be honest with you, I look at my life and go, mine's not that bad. Right? Like, my pressure does not compare to that. And we can sometimes, I find in life, we're always looking at somebody else's life to kind of measure where our life is. Hey, look how successful they were by 32, and look where I am. We're always doing that. Here's what I've discovered. There is no fruit in doing that in your life. Don't compare yourself. And I want to say when it comes to pressure that there is no benefit in comparing your pressure to someone else's pressure. The truth is this, we all have pressure. You've got pressures I don't have, I have pressures that you don't have. We all have pressures. Let's just respect that. You know what I've discovered? Um, every single person has pressure, whether you agreed to it or you thought you were under it. Um, and here's what I've discovered. It really seems to start at middle school. I, I don't, I, I look at like a, a three-year-old, I'm gonna say, I don't, I'm gonna, I don't think they got a lot of pressure. I'm just gonna say it, okay? Three-year-old got nothing to do except watch Barney or whatever and pick his nose or, you know, eat food. There's not a lot of pressure. What I've discovered though, as a parent and as someone who's gone through this season of my life, is the pressure really begins to mount in middle school. That's why middle school ministry is so important, isn't it, Judah? Because cause, cause middle school is where they, Listen, if you don't believe me, parents, okay? I've raised two daughters who've gone through middle school, and I'm just going to tell you, pressure is insane in school, in middle school. There is a pressure to start, like people like you. There's a pressure for a boyfriend or girlfriend, even if you don't want one. There's a pressure to do things sexually. Yes, I said sexually in middle school. The pressure is already there. There's a pressure to have to, you know, um, to, to fit in. There's a pressure to post things on Instagram. There's a pressure to get enough likes. There's a pressure to get enough followers. There is an insane pressure and it starts in middle school. It's real. The pressure. And then, and then as you kind of go through middle school, what I've discovered from that point on, here's my, my experience in life, the pressure doesn't ever go away. It just gets more and more intense and it changes. And then when you get into high school, the pressure is there. The pressure there's pressures to go to parties, there's pressures to drink, there's pressures to do all kinds of things, take drugs. There, there's pressures to uh, perform in sports. There, there's pressure to get into a college. There's pressure to, I mean, there's so much intense pressure, pressure to get your license, pressure that happens in high school. And, and then when you get out and you graduate, sometimes we think, whew, okay, man, now it's like it gets worse, right? How many of you all think maybe some of the greatest pressure you faced was in your 20s and 30s? Raise your hand if you think it. See, there's not a lot of people raise their hands because they're older than that and they're like, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It just keeps, it just keeps getting more and more intense. It changes. Pressure to complete college, pressure to find the right career field, pressure to get ahead in the job, pressure to get married, feel that in your 20s, pressure to have the perfect wedding, pressure to look a certain way by by our so media today pressure to be a certain size pressure to fit into certain things pressure to own certain things there's this intense pressure that happens in your 20s and 30s and listen even as you get older it doesn't go away there's a pressure to be successful there's a pressure to live in a certain kind of house there's a pressure to have a certain amount of money saved there's a pressure to be able to you know have kids there's a listen there's a pressure that goes with parenting young people you haven't married your kids? You don't know what kind of pressure it's like for your parents. You don't know what kind of pressure they're under. You want to know about pressure? Ask a pregnant woman about pressure. <laughs> She'll tell you about pressure. Pressure on the bladder. How does a woman know when it's time to give birth? Pressure. Right? There's pressure. Man, I, remember, I remember the pressure that was like taking our oldest daughter, our firstborn, home from the hospital after she was born. Y'all remember that, moms and dads? The pressure of that the first time you're driving up and you got the car seat in there and you got to buckle this baby into the car seat. See, I normally go like 70, 80, 90, whatever, you know, because I learned to drive in Europe on the Autobahn, and so I don't know about these slow speed things. And so I drive, you ask my wife, crazy fast all the time, except for the one day when that brand new baby was in the car. 55 the whole way on the freeway, everybody's honking, going around. Why? Because there's pressure. You're, like, afraid. Like, there's just insane pressure in life. Now, let me say this. If you're a Christ follower, there's even more pressure. I mean, you think, you think there shouldn't be pressure because your faith. But what I found is that once you have faith, there's a pressure that goes with that. There's a pressure to follow Jesus. There's a pressure to hold your faith in the midst of Adversity, there's a pressure to represent Christ in your school, students. There's a pressure to represent Jesus in the workplace. There's a pressure to watch what you say because somehow I'm a reflection of Jesus. There's a pressure that goes with it. And Paul is speaking into this pressure when he says, we were hard pressed on every side, surrounded by pressure. By the way, as a Christ follower, you will find a certain amount of pressure that comes from your spiritual enemy as well. There's pressure all over. Pressure. And I think sometimes we've kind of bought into this lie that if we just choose to follow Christ, that the pressure is going to go away. Because sometimes what brought you to the point of faith and bowing your knee to him was pressure couldn't handle this life's pressure. So you thought, I need God in my life. And so then you come and you sense him and you go, okay, I'm going to do this. And so all of a sudden, sometimes and I think was preachers were sometimes not great at kind of communicating that, hey, listen, to go all in with Jesus, yes, the most fulfilling, incredible decision in your life, but it's going to come with pressure. And some people think the moment I just kind of give it to God, I give my life, I just let go of the pressure. Have you ever heard Christians that use this phrase, you just need to let go and let God Like, listen, when I can figure out how to let go and let God, I'll come preach about it. But until then, I have no idea what that means. I'm still holding all the pressure. I know God can, but I'm the one that's got to hold the microphone. I got the pressure. And what I'm coming to understand as I've been going down this journey as a follower of Christ for many years, I've come to understand that if you want to do something for god if you want to have significance in your life for him you better learn to embrace pressure because far too often we think i want to do something i want to represent christ and i want to have something significant and we want purpose without pressure i want to be significant for god without any stress i want a ministry that makes impact without the inconvenience of pressure and what i've discovered is that's impossible and so if your whole goal in life is to get through without very much pressure then i'm here to tell you you're missing out on the purpose of life because there's pressure i never realized how much pressure i was under constantly in ministry listen there's a different perspective thing that i need to let you know about because I haven't always been a pastor and I haven't always worked in the ministry. I also worked, uh, I also worked in the secular world. I also worked in a career. I also did that. And, and I told you, there's no fruit in comparing. And I don't want to compare. And I'm not saying my pressure is worse than your pressure because you got pressures that I don't have. And i got pressures that you don't have. We, all, we need to recognize that. But I will tell you, I've worked in a secular field. I've worked in the marketplace. And I've worked in ministry in the church. And I'm going to tell you from my perspective, there is no comparison. The pressure that I feel and face is so constant and so great that I'm telling you, I never even realized how much pressure I face all the time. I I I face pressure that I've got the church has got to be great for everyone. The music's got to work for everyone. The preaching, can I tell you how much pressure? I got not only pressure about projects, and not only pressure about the vision, not only pressure about leading the staff, not only pressure, but I also have pressure every single week for Sunday. You want to know one of my greatest pressures? It's Sunday. You want to know one of the greatest stresses I have? It's Sunday. I love Sunday, but it's everything it takes to lead up to it. Sunday is the greatest form of pressure that I face, and the greatest time I have in my entire week is Sunday afternoon. I can breathe for one afternoon, and then Monday rolls around. The alarm clock goes off at 545, and guess what? I feel the pressure start to mount because Sunday's coming. And oh, by the way, you better bring a great message, Pastor, because I don't want to be bored. And it better not be too long. It better not be too short. It better not be too boring. It better be funny. It better reach the people who are 80. It better reach someone who's 14. It better reach my neighbor who doesn't know anything about Christ. Oh, and it better be good for the 50-year-old who's been a Christian for 48 years. Yeah, I know. I haven't figured that out either, but... And I never realized, not only that, but it's the pressure of of knowing what pain you guys are often in. Can I tell you what sometimes a pastor's greatest pressure is? If This is like counseling for me, so I'm just kind of using you all as free counseling, if that's okay today. I'm just saying, you want to know one of the greatest pressures is the pressure of the relationships. It's the pressure of knowing that I'll let someone down if I don't meet with them as fast as they want to meet with me. It's the pressure of knowing that when someone in their family dies, that they want me to do the funeral. It's the pressure of knowing that, that, that when they got their kid getting married, that they want you to do the wedding. I just, when someone's sick, they want you to go pray with them. I'm just saying that there's, there's a never ending pressure that comes with ministry. And so we adopted something at the advice of of some pastor friends of mine uh, a little over a year ago. Um, We decided to institute a required sabbatical for all our pastors after a certain number of years in ministry. Because there's pressures. It's not like go to work and then just go home. You can ask my wife when your phone goes off at all hours of the day. Even on your days off. You don't, and some of you know what that, some of you have a job that's like that, so you can understand some of that. And, and so it was required to take a sabbatical last year, which is an extended break away from the ministry, no emails, no phone calls, no text messages, and you cannot attend your own church. You have to go and connect elsewhere, do some other things you got to like, and you have to pull away. And, and so for, if you know me, that was super hard because I'm this like, go, 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 100% love what I do. But I had to disconnect. And what I discovered is after about three-ish weeks or more, I started to physically come out from under the pressure, the weekly pressure. And I started to experience feelings, thoughts, emotions that scared me. And I was talking to a pastor friend who's like a mentor to me, and he said, you don't realize all the pressure you're on. It's kind of like this. You know, if you cut yourself and you have a wound and you hold pressure on it, it doesn't bleed. But when you let go and you get out the pressure from the pressure, then all of a sudden it can start coming out. And I never realized how much pressure. I think that's what Paul would say. Now, I know that's my pressure. And that's what, I'm the one with the microphone, so I can talk about my pressure. You've got pressure, too. What kind of fr- uh, pressure are you facing? Some of you are facing pressure in your marriage and it's, it's not working. Some of you are facing some financial pressure and creditors just kind of keep calling and you just ignore. Some of you feel pressure of taking care of an aging parent. There's pressure. We don't have pressure. But Paul seems to have kind of discovered something about pressure in chapter four that we didn't get in chapter one. Chapter one It was so bad, he wanted to give up. But in chapter four, he seemed to have a new perspective on his pressure. I don't know if you saw that, verses eight and nine. Let me read it to you again. He said, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed. In other words, I'm confused, and I don't understand, God, why you allowed this, and I don't understand, God, why this didn't happen, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Like, I feel like you haven't left us. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. It seems like Paul has discovered something. Like he's discovered some way to handle the pressure, the PSI. How is Paul handling the pressure on all sides? The answer was found in verse 7, but many of you might not have caught that when we read it. Let me read it to you again, verse 7. This was the answer. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing what? Everyone say All-surpassing power. Say it again. All-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He says, we, we've got this treasure. How does Paul handle the pressure? He has a treasure. He says, in jars of clay. Do you know what? That's a reference. It's a metaphor for your life and my life. It's your body. It's your You see, we were made from the dust. We're made from the clay. God formed you out of dust. And Paul, in this some translations say earthen vessels. In other words, you're a vessel that God made and shaped and formed out of the earth. And he says, we have a treasure, if you're a Christ follower. You have a treasure on the inside that will enable you to handle the pressure, he says, from all sides there's a pressure and that pressure is not your strength it's not your willpower it's not you just muscle up and take it it's not that but he says it is an all-surpassing power that comes from god the reason why you have neighbors and family members and friends that feel like and they come to you and their world is collapsing and crushing them is because they may not have the same power that you have from within there's a power from within If you don't have enough pressure on the inside to hold or support the pressure from the outside, you won't make it. You won't make it. It's simple physics. If you know physics, there has to be. You know, we we live at a certain point in elevation where... It's ideal atmospheric pressure for us to survive the right atmospheric pressure this is physics if you've ever gone scuba diving you'll learn about pressure you ever go into water and you feel the pressure and you got to hold your nose and, and blow to clear the pressure if you go too deep in the water the pressure is so strong in the chemical makeup of water that it will crush you you will literally implode that's why um, they have to make certain types of underwater vessels out of incredible amounts of steel certain thickness of steel so that it can withhold the pressure oh it's also the same when you go up in altitude when you get to a certain elevation in a plane you also have to have a certain amount of pressure on the inside, otherwise it will implode. You that, like, did you all hear the story, I think it was like a month or so ago, of they got those windows and, and a Southwest flight, something flew off of like the engine, hit a window and it opened up and immediately from the pressure, there was a woman that was kind of sucked toward the window and ended up dying. Like, because inside of a plane, it, the cabin has to be pressurized to be at a certain height. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, and I think maybe this is what faith does for us, is that when we go through life and Paul says we're pressed on all sides, we're confused and perplexed, but we're not in despair, we're, 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 we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. What Paul's saying is, it's because the inside of him has been pressurized with power what i wanted to show you today is how you can turn pressure into power this is the key to handling life pressure turn pressure into power now if there's one person that could teach us how to do that it would be jesus if there's anybody that understood pressure can i tell you it was jesus can you imagine the pressure that jesus had his mom knows who he is from a an infant can you imagine the pressure that he had? That's why, do you know Jesus performed his very first miracle because of pressure? His mom said, no, 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 you need to, they're out of wine. You need to do something. Pressure, she pressured him into it. He didn't even want to. Imagine the pressure where everywhere Jesus went, crowds flocked to him. People wanted to hear him speak. And oh, by the way, can you heal me? And can you touch this situation? Can you, can you imagine you have that pressure? And then you also have the pressure of a bunch of other people that want to kill you. We don't know pressure like Jesus had lived in constant pressure, but there was no moment where there was more pressure than the moment when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. On the night that Jesus was arrested, and I know sometimes we, we can sometimes, like, think about the Lord's Supper, and he has dinner with his guys, and Passover, and that whole thing, and I think what sometimes the narrative doesn't give us is how Jesus felt on the inside, like we don't really hear that until he gets in the garden but can you imagine he's fully god but he's also fully man and he has predicted and he knows what's about to happen this passover he knows his purpose and the pressure that goes with it and so what does he do at the last moments that he has he takes his disciples you see jesus knew he needed this and he goes to the garden of gethsemane so he could do what anybody know pray He's about to face the most intense experience a human could face with a cross. And the pressure is mounted so badly, he takes his disciples with him to this garden, and he tells them to stay and keep watch with him. Come on, I need you with me right now. They fall asleep. And and he he goes, uh, pulls aside... To connect with his father and he prays but if you read what he says he says my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow i'm so stressed right now the pressure had mounted as it was getting closer and closer to that moment that he says his soul is overwhelmed. In fact, Luke, the physician, would tell us that he was so stressed that as he sweat, it was like drops of blood. In other words, the capillaries inside were bursting and mixing with this sweat that's coming out. You want to talk about pressure? He's facing the pressure of the pain, pressure of the sin of the world, pressure of the cross is in front of him. He felt pressure unlike anything you could imagine. By the way, the word Gethsemane literally means an oil press. It was an olive grove. See, this was symbolic. Jesus is under the greatest pressure there ever is. And he goes to this garden where he has to pray. And it was there that he said something. Listen, this is what you need to recognize. There was there that he said something that turned the pressure into power. And here's what he said. I don't want this. I don't want to go through this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When he surrendered to the will of his father, when he surrendered to the purpose of his father, that's when the pressure was turned into power. That's when the pressure of the cross became the power of Calvary. That's when the pressure of death turned into the the power of resurrection when he said not my will but yours be done and so when you find yourself in intense pressure where you want to quit when your faith is beginning to like just feeling feeling pressure all around I don't know where God is I don't know why he won't do this and I don't understand why this won't happen and you're feeling pressure and you want to quit what I begin to discover is that God will actually take that very pressure that's coming on you and if you will turn to him and you'll say God not my will but yours he will convert that into power on the inside not only to give you the strength to walk through it but to reveal his purpose in your life. You're never going to have purpose without pressure. I want blessing without pressure. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so Paul, who's kind of beginning to discover this, you can tell in his, his language, Paul closes this chapter by saying these words, verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I'm not giving up because of pressure. I'm not letting it cave in on me. We do not lose heart though outwardly. I feel the pressure on all sides. We are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being what? Everyone say it, we're being renewed day by day. If you don't think that drawing away or aside to spend time with your father matters, try to handle life's pressures on your own. You see, I think that's what Paul learned from Jesus. He had to get alone with the Father in prayer. He had to connect to Him. And let me tell you why prayer matters so much in your life. I'm not talking about just pray for your meal. I'm talking about when you feel pressure. And here's the tendency, the first thing we wanna do is we wanna stop praying when we feel pressure. I feel stressed, I I gotta think about it, I got all my mind, and often the first thing I do is I, I stop praying. And I think what Paul wanted us to see is, no, 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 what you need is to be renewed inwardly so that you can handle the pressures day by day and so you need to surrender to god and when you feel like the stress is overwhelming and the pressure's on you you say god whatever it is and why you got me here i don't know but nevertheless not my will but your will be done in this situation see what happens is prayer sometimes it changes your situation sometimes it doesn't but what it always will do is change your perspective okay god i'm gonna I guess you're trying to say something i guess you're trying to do something i'm gonna trust you in this time and he says in verse 17 and verse 18 here's his new perspective for our light and momentary troubles wait a minute wasn't he just saying in the first chapter the troubles were so bad that we couldn't even bear it and i wanted to give up something shifted in his perspective the troubles didn't get any lighter but the way he saw his troubles did these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so what do we do? We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's almost like what I preached last week. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on something else. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. I don't know, but I feel pressure and I see pressure and I feel all these things coming against me. But listen, today I wanted to encourage you with a new perspective on the situation that you're in, that if you will get alone with God, if you will say, God, I'm facing these pressures and you'll say, not my will, but yours. Whatever the purpose is for the pain, I'm gonna take it and endure it because here's my perspective. My perspective is this. It is achieving for me something that far out. Ways what it is that I'm facing. God is using the pressure to develop something eternal in you. Listen, it's dangerous to say, God, I want to be used by you. It's a dangerous thing to say. God, I'll serve you with my life. That's a dangerous thing to say. God, you, you, if you can use anyone, use me. He's like, all right, I'll use you. But you're going to face pressure you never even realized you'd face. You have to learn to turn the pressure into power turn it into power. He's going to use it to achieve something in your life. So hold on. I felt like I was supposed to encourage you today. If you've been facing so much pressure, wanting to quit, wanting to tap out, wanting to give up, want to quit trusting God, want to leave, want to, your marriage is falling apart, your finances, you can't see it. I just want to encourage you and say, hold on. Hold on. Let God turn that pressure into power. He's doing something. He's not done. He hasn't abandoned you. He will not leave you. God's in the middle of achieving something for you. You don't even realize how great it is until you endure to the other side, until you get to the other side. Jesus in the garden, he got the power to face Calvary. So we're just going to have to trust in the source of the power, and that's him. Father, I pray right now for every person in our church today that's under incredible pressure. God, only you know what kind of pressure it is that people are facing. Lord, I just pray not that you remove the pressure, but I pray for your power to rise up inside of us. I pray, God, that we could discover your power as we surrender our will to you. That there is, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by his spirit, says the Lord. It's by His Spirit in you. God, renew us today. Renew our spirit. Renew our strength, God, so that we can run and not grow weary, so we can walk and not faint. God, renew our spirit within us. Give us the strength, God. Listen, as we're praying today, I just wonder, I believe that maybe there's someone here today or in Lancaster, maybe, maybe a few of you. You realize you've been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders You're carrying something you were never intended to carry. Something that God intended to carry for you to Calvary. The weight of your sin in your life. And maybe you came today because of the pressure that you face. Maybe you've realized that I need Jesus. I need him in my life. I need him to lead my life. Now let me tell you something. When you surrender your life to Christ, it's not all rainbows god won't always remove all of the pressure what he'll do though is he will pressurize your spirit and your soul on the inside and he will give you a source of strength and grace you never knew you had to walk through what he wants from your life some of you came today you recognize the weight of sin in your life today he wants to lift that weight he wants to take it He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light if you will surrender it to him. All you have to do is by a confession of faith, say, God, I need you, I give my life to you. You say what Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but yours. I believe maybe there's some of you today that's your prayer. Maybe for the first time surrendering to Christ or maybe you're coming home and it's been a long time and you walked away from God. If that's you today, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. You say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to fill my life with your spirit to renew me, forgive me, change me. I believe that Jesus came and died for me and rose again to give me new life. Today I say not my will, but your will be done in my life. And from this point forward, I will follow you for the rest of my days. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior Jesus. And everyone declared, come on, let's put our hands together for all those who prayed that prayer today.